0: Good morning. Aren't you glad that the promises he made 3,500 years ago are still promises we can count on today? Well, I welcome you this morning to week three of our series, The Cups of Promise. I'm glad that you're here with us today. It's such an honor and a joy to serve and worship the Lord together, isn't it? It's, It's so special to come into the house of the Lord with with a group of believers, and just lift up the name of Jesus. So I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you have enjoyed the incredible fall weather that we've had in the month of July? Hasn't it been crazy? Well, I've looked at the weather report. Don't get used to it. I've seen 90s in the forecast for this week. This Friday, is supposed to be 88 degrees, partly cloudy, so it's going to be an absolute gorgeous day as we um, have our movie out there in the parking lot. I can't wait to, to be here. I hope you all are, are ready for that. I do want to encourage you, if you signed up, see me after church today as far as signed up to help with that. We'll kind of give you some assignments as to what we need as far as who needs to be here when and things like that, okay? I want to take just a couple of minutes, though, this morning before we get too far into the, to the message and talk with you about where we've we've been so far with with this message. You know, some of you may have not been here in week one or week two, and some of you may have actually slept between last Sunday and today and completely forgot everything that we talked about. And that being said, that's, you know, one of the reasons we want to supply you with some notes so that, you know, we reinforce what you're learning on Sunday morning so that you don't walk out the door and forget everything that you heard on Sunday morning by the time Monday morning gets here. And I want to encourage you to, to do that. I want to encourage you to take notes, write stuff down, then go back during the week and, and look over those things again. If you missed the first or the second message, you can go back online and look at those. They're available. The videos are there. They're, they're posted on our website. They're also available on, on YouTube. If you just go out to YouTube and you search Connection Point, you'll find our, our channel there, and you'll be able to to take a look at those and see those and I want to encourage you to do that. Also if you remember I talked to you about you know this message we based it on the the book by Chris Hodges Four Cups and I encourage you to go out and get that book. And The reason I encourage you to do that is just like it's important to take notes and to go back and study during the week it's also important to find other information much more so than we can get into a 30-minute message on Sunday morning. So this is what the, the message or the series has been based on is the, the message in this book. And I want to encourage you again to go back and, and pick up a copy of this. If you um, are enjoying what you're, you're read, or hearing on Sunday morning, uh, you'll actually get even more just in that as well. If you're not enjoying what you're hearing on Sunday morning, well, he probably wrote it out better than I can say it. So maybe, you know, try reading the book. Get the audio book if you um, have trouble reading as well. So I want to cover just the the things that we talked about there in the first couple of weeks real quick. Uh, We introduced four promises in week one, if you'll remember that. And we're not going to spend a lot of time going over those today, but we are going to go back and take a look at the passage that we're basing this entire series on found in Exodus. It's found in Exodus chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me if you would. Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7. We're going to put it up on the board here as well. It's also there in your notes. It says it this way, "...therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians." I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians." And If you remember, we introduced these four promises. There's four I will statements in there that God promised to the people of Israel. He made this promise 3,500 years ago, and these promises are just as valid today as they were the day that he gave them to Moses. And that first one is found there. It says this, I will bring you out. What he's saying there is this is a promise of salvation. It's a promise of sanctification. It's the setting apart. And you need to understand this promise is just as valid today as it was for the the people who were in bondage in the land of Egypt 3,500 years ago. We went into depth in this one last week and talked about it. Number two is this. He says, I will free you. This is the promise of deliverance. If you remember, we talked last week, the setting apart the salvation, that happens instantly. It happens very quickly. You need to understand it did not take very long for the, for the people of Israel to get out of Egypt. But it took an awful long time to get the Egypt out of the people. In other words, it's the same for us. We can come to a point of salvation just like that. But a lot of times we have baggage from the past that takes a little bit of time to work those things out. That's where we're going to be spending our time today the cup of deliverance. That first cup was cup of salvation or cup of sanctification if you're writing those down. This is the cup of deliverance. Number three, I will redeem you. The cup of redemption. We're going to take a look at this one next week. This promise for us today is, all, is about discovering our purpose. Why did God bring me here? Why am I going through this life? What purpose does He have for me? What is his dream or his plans for my life? And then finally, the the fourth promise is this. God said, I will take you as my own people. You need to understand this is all about the promise of fulfillment. It's about living in a cup of fulfillment or a cup of praise. When you're living here in this cup of fulfillment, this final cup, the fourth cup, the fourth promise, what you're doing is you're living out life as God had intended you to. You're living life with another group of believers doing exactly what God called you to do. And can I just tell you, you're never going to know how awesome life can be until you get to that cup. You're never going to understand how great life can actually be until you're walking in that cup of fulfillment, until you're actually doing what God has called you to do. The problem is so many people try to get to the cup of fulfillment without going through the other cups a lot of times they don't even want to get to the first cup of salvation they just want to live life the way that god planned it for them and they don't even want to take the steps necessary to get there but can i just tell you getting to that fourth cup getting to the cup of fulfillment is never going to happen if you do not do things in god's order in god's plan you've got to start with the cup of salvation but then you got to get to the cup of redemption or a cup of deliverance You've got to get there first. You've got to deal with the baggage from the past. And then you've got to find out, what is my purpose? You can't live in God's purpose for your life if you don't know what that purpose is. You've got to get to that cup of redemption. And then finally, you can get to the cup of fulfillment and finally know what it is that God's plan for your life really looks like. But you've got to go in God's order. You can't do it in your own way and in your own plans. I see it happening over and over again. People will come in, they'll drink of the cup of salvation, and immediately they want to jump jump right over here to the cup of fulfillment. They raise their hand, they walk down an aisle, they say a prayer, and they absolutely have been saved, no doubt about it. We do a really good job of getting people to that first cup. We do a really good job, and when I say we, I mean the church as a whole. We do a good job of getting people to the cup of salvation. The problem is, we're not always doing a good job of getting people to the next cup, the cup of deliverance. The reason for that, I believe, is that second cup is a little harder to measure. You see, we we like to measure success. It's really easy to say, we had X number of people saved. Every denomination tracks those numbers. They want to know how many people were saved in your church last year. We've got a form that we fill out at the end of the year. How many people were saved? On that form, it asks questions like that. It'll ask how many people were baptized, spirit-filled, how many people were um, in attendance. All of those questions are very easy to answer. You just write in a number. But the problem is... There's another question it asks on that form, the one that we complete, and it says this, discipleship system, yes or no? You see, the cup of deliverance happens through discipleship. But it's a little harder to track that, isn't it? It's a little harder to say, it's easy to say three dozen people got saved. It's a little harder to say three dozen people drank from the cup of deliverance. And because of that, because it's not an easy number to record, because it's not a success number that we can just easily report, I think a lot of times we don't put our effort into that cup. We don't do the things that are necessary to get people into that second cup. And you need to understand it's in that second cup. It's in that second cup, the cup of deliverance, where people begin to move towards living a life in freedom that God intended them to live. This is why so many Christians today are walking around saved, but still with a lot of baggage from their past. People get saved and they don't know what to do next. They got saved and they're very excited, but then frustration begins to to set in because they're like now what i got saved everything should be fixed everything should be okay and in a way it is at that moment of salvation you are made perfect in your spirit man you are saved you're on a pathway to heaven but it doesn't mean that all those years of living wrong have been have been dealt with in the way that they should It doesn't mean those things don't affect you moving forward. At some point in your life, you've got to deal with those things. You've got to deal with the hurts of the past. At some point, you've got to deal with with the different hang-ups that you may have in your life. At some point, you've got to deal with the bad habits that you've acquired over years of living. If you ever want to live in true freedom. Again, the problem is we have way too many Christians that haven't dealt with those things. They're on their way to heaven, but continuing to live their life in bondage. You see, they've left the land of Egypt, but they haven't dealt with getting Egypt out of them. They've come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life, into the kingdom of light, but they haven't dealt with their past. They got saved and they want to jump straight to that cup of fulfillment. They're excited when people get saved. They're they're ready to go. And what happens a lot of time is they see what another successful Christian is doing. And they're like, okay, I'll just do that ministry. I'll I'll do that. They're they're successful. They look like they're living right. I'll just do that. And they do that without even coming to the cup of deliverance, dealing with their past, or the cup of redemption to find out what God is really calling them to do. And what happens when you're doing what someone else is doing that you weren't called to do? You get frustrated. And then, you move on to the next thing. You're like, well, this didn't work out. Let me try what this person's doing. I'll do that for a while. You do that several times until you finally get to a place where you get burned out. You get mad at God's people because you're not living the way that God had called you to live or the life that He had called you to live. That's because you didn't follow the correct steps. You tried to jump into the cup of fulfillment without first dealing with your past and without finding out what it is God wants you to do. you just like, oh, I'll try that, I'll try that. They get mad at the people of God. They leave the church and they go on to the next one and repeat the cycle all over again until they get to... A certain point where they're not just mad at God's church or God's people they get mad at God and turn their back on him completely why is this it's because they've never truly embraced the cup of deliverance you need to understand that we as people are made up of three parts I know you've seen these things before we are body soul spirit body that's our physical being the flesh man Soul, our mind, our will, our emotions in our spirit man, the eternal part of us, the part of us like God. You see, when we get to the cup of salvation, we deal with this one right here, the spirit man. We talked about it last week. Salvation happens in an instant. Listen to what Ephesians tells us. It's there in your notes if you've got them there in front of you. It says this, God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Immediately, when we are saved, the spirit man, the part of us that is like God, is made perfect. It's completely clean. He's washed us by His blood. But guess what? There are two other parts to us there, too, isn't there? There's the body and the soul. And they aren't necessarily so excited about this new journey we're on. You see, they've been living a life a certain way for the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. And they kind of got used to living a life a certain way. The spirit man is made clean, but the the flesh still wants to do what the flesh still wants to do. They've had a lifetime of living, and many times they aren't quite ready to give it up just yet. Guess what else? Each one of those pieces, the body and the soul, they don't necessarily care about the other, do they? They want to do what they want to do. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at the the soul, for instance, the mind, the will, the emotions. If you're dealing with sorrow in your life, depression in your life, many times our soul person will do things that will be damaging to our physical, our body person, will begin... Dealing with this depression by doing what? Look into alcohol, drugs, sex outside of marriage. We'll look at all these different things to just try to, to bring us out of this um, place where we're at, to try to just have a moment of relief for our mind. And in doing so, we damage our body. People will get to a place where they'll actually want to sometimes kill themselves. Pretty damaging to the body. But the mind don't care. They're at odds with each other. What about our body? It's not much better. The flesh. Flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do. It's going to go out and sleep with whoever it wants to, not worrying about the consequences of how that may affect our emotions down the the road. It's not going to worry about how it may affect someone else's emotions. We're just going to do what we want to do because it feels good. If we don't make caring for the spirit man a priority, we will find the body and the soul part of our being in total control. And that's exactly what happens if we don't take drinking from the cup of deliverance seriously. You see, even though we're on our way to heaven, we got saved, we asked for forgiveness, we invited Jesus into our hearts, the body and the soul aren't necessarily ready to come on board on this journey. As the Word tells us, we're told we must work out our salvation. It doesn't mean you have to work for your salvation. You're saved in an instant. It means you've got to work it out after you come to that place of salvation. you got to continue on. We're told this, it's in your notes there, Philippians, work hard to show the results of your salvation. It doesn't say work hard to get saved. It says work hard to to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Just because you got saved doesn't mean the flesh doesn't still have lusts and desires. And it doesn't mean that the soul doesn't still deal with issues. And that's where we as a church want to help. That's in our tagline. That's, what, that's in our DNA. That's where we have been from the very beginning, right there. Connection Point is about equipping people for life's journey. You see, you can make it to heaven without dealing with those other two things, but you're never going to live the life that God has called you to live if you don't deal with them. God has a good and perfect plan for you. It doesn't mean God has a perfect life as you may look at it, but He has a perfect plan for you. You need to understand that God wants only the best for you. And me, as the pastor here of this church, and this church, as your brothers and sisters in Christ, want to help you in dealing with freedom from your past, freedom from the bondage that so many of you are still living in. If you ever hope to live the life that God has for you, you've got to deal with your past. You've got to deal with those hurts. That's what the cup of deliverance is all about. It's about living a life of freedom. You see, freedom begins when you start really drinking from that cup of deliverance. It's where that spirit man that has been perfectly cleansed by the blood of Jesus, actually begins controlling your life. You see, but that's only going to happen when he's stronger than the other two. And you've got to take steps to strengthen that spirit, man. It doesn't happen without you just, with you just sitting back and doing nothing. Salvation can happen right here on a Sunday morning or anywhere else for that matter. But deliverance takes some time. Now, I'm not saying that God can't miraculously deliver you from something right now in an instant. He absolutely can just take something from you. I mean, I've seen people, you know, delivered from drinking, smoking, things like that, just like that. But guess what? We got a lot of baggage in our life from our past. And a lot of things take time to work out. It took time to work Egypt out of the Israelites. It takes time to work Egypt out of you. You see, and the reason behind that is this. That flesh man, remember him? He ain't so easy to just say, okay, take control, spirit man, I'm done. I know I've been running things for the last 30 years, but go ahead, you take over now. That flesh man tends to want to still rise up because the flesh man does what the flesh man wants to do. But you've got to decide to work these things out. You gotta do the things that make your spirit, man, stronger. There's a couple of things we've put in place here at church that we've done to to hopefully help you with those things. One of those things is is growth track. It'll start back up in August. It's it's where we, we use this to kind of steer you into finding out what that cup of fulfillment is for you. What did God call you to do? What ministry has He called you into? Not one that just says, oh, that looks good, but what has He really gifted you towards? And we, we kind of steer you through growth track in doing that. The other thing that we, we do is this. We need you to be in fellowship with other believers. We, we talk about this in growth track. Earlier this year, we, we tried our first round of, of small groups, getting that launched and started. And you know what? We're, we learned a few things through that. Uh, a lot of you were apprehensive about either joining a small group or leading one. But you need to understand, it's in the context of relationship. It's in the context of small group that deliverance really occurs. You see, deliverance doesn't happen in here on a Sunday morning when you're just hearing me talk to you. Deliverance happens when you're with a group of believers. You see, the word says, iron sharpens iron. There's not a lot of back and forth happening here on Sunday morning. It's me talking to you and you listening. You've got to engage with other believers. Iron sharpens iron. We try doing our best to put tools in your hand to to help you to to learn and to grow. We've got a digital library that we've given every church member here access to that has literally thousands of Bible studies available. All free for you to access. But you know what? Very few of you have actually taken advantage of that. There, There are tools that we've put in place to help you along this journey but you have got to be willing to engage in the cup of deliverance. If you want to live the life of freedom that God's called you to live, you've got to step forward and do what God's calling you to do. These these studies on this digital library, the right now media, they're perfect for small groups. Most of them are four to six weeks in length. They're four to six lessons in length. Some of you are like, man, I just wish we would have some some Bible studies where I could come and learn. Well, maybe God's calling you to lead one of those Bible studies. So when we launch again in September these new studies, how about maybe are these new small groups, maybe it'll be time for you to step up and say, hey, Pastor Todd, I'll lead one of those. If you haven't been through small group leadership training yet, if you haven't been through Growth Track, we're going to make that available to you again in, or in August next month. We're going to give you the opportunity to go through that. We're going to give you the opportunity to step forward and say, you know what, I'll lead. I'll help with that. I get it, the fact that when we're talking about small groups, I, I get that we're a small church, and it's hard to have lots of different groups. But if people don't step up and say, I'll be one of those leaders, we won't have any at all. You know, I, I know we, we learned some stuff earlier this year. I, I'll take the blame on the part of it where I said, you know what? We're going to ask everybody to commit um, to, to 12 weeks, a weekly um, meeting. And you're like, man, I, I want to I lead one, but I want to be in one, and I can't commit this night and another night. I get that. So we're going to try it a little differently. Uh, we will learn. If you remember, I said when we started this thing, we're going to take Mark Batterson's approach and we're going to say everything we do is an experiment. If it works, praise God. If it doesn't, it was an experiment. We'll try something different. Well, instead of committing to 12 weeks once a week, we're going to ask that as this new semester rolls out, you commit to 12 weeks, but every other week. It'll give you the opportunity if you want to lead a group one week, you can be in a group another week. You know, we want to try to create opportunities for people to connect because iron sharpens iron. You need to understand every group doesn't have to be a Bible study either. If you remember, uh, my wife and I led a group this spring that was, we called it Explore Nashville. We just went out on Saturday mornings for hikes, and we we gathered, we would would pray together, we would share a scripture, we would listen to each other's needs, then we'd just go out and enjoy the day. Uh, We'd check out some different greenways around town, we went down to the Parthenon. It was just about living life together. We're going to start a group that's going to happen on Friday nights at our house this fall and it's just going to be a game night. It's just going to be a time where people come in, gather around, we laugh, we have fun. Because you know what? Deliverance happens in relationship. Deliverance happens when you're around other believers. Iron sharpens iron. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking about what it is that, what, is, what are you doing in life that you could say, you know what, I could make this a small group. I could do this six times. I'm already doing it six times in the next 12 weeks. Why not bring some other folks along with what I'm already doing, okay? I want to encourage you again to do that because deliverance happens in relationships. Relationships with our relationship with God, and our relationships with other believers. And it doesn't happen in 35 to 40 minutes on Sunday morning while you listen to a message. It happens through living life together. The other way that we've um, tried to make available this cup of deliverance to you is through our Wednesday night Celebrate Recovery meeting. And I think some of you have a skewed idea of what Celebrate Recovery is all about, so I'm going to take just a moment and kind of talk to you about that. You see, some of you think Celebrate Recovery is simply for for people who are dealing with alcohol or drugs. You you think of it as just simply an AA group. And while it is a recovery program, you understand that we're all in recovery? We all are recovering from our old way of life. We, We all have hurts in our past. We all have hang-ups from our past, and we all have bad habits from our past. And you need to understand that if we don't deal with those things, God is never going to be able to use us in the way that He intended us to be used. He has a plan for us, but if we aren't willing to do our part, we're not going to fulfill it. we got to deal with the junk. You see, celebrate recovery is so much more than simply an AA meeting. It's about helping you get out of Egypt and get the Egypt out of you. It's about helping you to get on the pathway that God has for you. Every one of us, like I said, have a, has a past that has shaped our life and brought us to the point where we are in this life. And if we don't take specific steps to strengthen that inner spirit man, guess what? That flesh man will rise up all by himself and he'll begin driving the bus down the road. And we'll be heading down a road that we don't want to go. This Wednesday I'll be teaching. And our, our lesson will be on um, taking a moral inventory of ourselves. And can I just tell you, if you haven't checked out Celebrate Recovery yet, this will be an awesome Wednesday for you to do that. Because we all have things in our past that we need to deal with. And I want to encourage you to be here and to be a part of this, because this will help you to drink from that cup of deliverance. It will help you get to the next cup. It will help you get to where God is calling you to go. I'd say there are a lot of folks here this morning who have not dealt with things from their past. I would say there are a lot of people here who have hurts from their past that they have not yet dealt with. And that's what we want to help you with. That's what we want to help you with through Bible studies, through small groups, through Celebrate Recovery, through the online Bible study library that we've made available to you, through Sunday morning messages. It can't be just Sunday morning. And that can't be the only time you open your Bible is when you walk through these doors on Sunday. All right, there's three things that I want to talk about real quick about what the cup of deliverance is all about. The first one is this, victory over sin. Victory over sin. You see, sin is about what we do to ourselves. And it's about victory over that. Paul talks to us in Romans like this. So if you think you're the only one who's ever dealt with this, here's Paul writing this. He says this, so I find this law at work. Although I wanna do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, you understand inner being, that's the spirit man, the part of us that's made perfect when we come to salvation, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. Remember, that's the the soul part of us. And making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Has anybody ever kind of felt just the way that Paul has felt right here? Then he says this, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me. You hear that? Delivers me, deliverance. Who delivers me through Christ our Lord. Victory over sin is all about victory over ourselves. That's what it's really about dealing with. You know, so many times we want to point the finger at other people and, you know, this person did this, that person did that, the devil's out to get me. Those are all real and we're going to talk about those, but a lot of times we don't even deal with this part, victory over ourselves. You got to deal with that as well. The second thing the cup of deliverance is all about is healing from wounds. You see, the first one is about the dealing with victory over ourselves. This one is about what others have done to us. Listen, we all have been wounded. Every single one of us has been wounded at some point by someone. Some more seriously than others. It doesn't dis- diminish any one of our hurts, though. You see, some of you have shared your stories with me, and they're absolutely tragic. They're heartbreaking. Some of you have dealt with terrible abuse from a child all the way up through your adulthood. Some of you have been hurt by people who should have been there to protect you. Some of you have been abused physically by your parents, emotionally, verbally. Those are all wounds from your past that you have got to learn somehow to deal with. You need healing from those things. If you just ignore them, they're not going to go away. They're going to continue to drive who you are. If you don't deal with those hurts from the past, you're going to continue to let your mind and your emotions rather than your perfect spirit man to guide and direct you. If you don't allow God to heal you from these past hurts, you're never ever going to be able to walk in the freedom that he has for you. You see, when we walk around dealing with these hurts, we allow anger to control us. We're allowing that emotional side of us. Ephesians says this, it's in your notes, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Some of us, rather than dealing with the hurt, just walk around with bitterness and resentment. You see, because that's what anger leads to. Anger will lead us to a place of bitterness Resentment, hatefulness, unforgiveness that will absolutely ruin our lives. It keeps us in bondage. It keeps us in a place where we are not able to live the life that God has called us to live. You've got to be able to take steps to deal with this hurt. Some of you would rather just ignore it and say, oh, well, I'll just let it sit there. You've got to take that cup of deliverance seriously. But you've got to do your part. It's not going to happen if you just sit back. You've actually got to engage. Celebrate Recovery is an incredible tool to help you deal with the hurts from the past. It's not just for people dealing with alcohol or drugs. So many people are walking around just absolutely tore up, hurt inside, and they are doing nothing to help deal with it. You may find, after coming through CR, Celebrate Recovery, you may need additional counseling. And I want to encourage you to do that. But I also want to encourage you that if you actually take the steps necessary, you're going to probably find yourself beginning to walk in freedom. You'll find healing beginning to come. The third thing is this. The first two things was victory over ourselves. It was dealing with hurts and things that we brought against ourselves. The second thing was dealing with hurts from other people. Authority over the enemy is all about the fact that we face a real enemy. We face an enemy that comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I know that's out of order, but you get the point. Steal, kill, and destroy. He's out to get you. He's real. Satan is not some made-up thing out there, with a pointy tail and horns on the top of his head. He's going to come packaged in exactly what the flesh man wants. That's how he's going to come to you. He's going to come to you to to come to that lustful desire of the flesh. He's going to come to you and and meet you where your mind thinks it wants to be. you got to come to the realization that you have power over the enemy. You've got to come to the realization that the name of Jesus will make demons flee. You need to understand that God didn't intend you to bow down to Satan. But so many of us are allowing Satan to steer us and direct us and guide our lives rather than the spirit man that God has made perfect. The Word tells us the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within you. Do you understand what I just said? The Word of God says the same power, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The one that said, Jesus is dead, wake up, walk out of the tomb. That's the Spirit that resides within you. It's time that we start realizing that and walking in that and realizing we have authority over Satan. We have authority over sin. We have authority over all of those things of our past. It's time that we not just know the promises of God, but we walk in the promises of God. Look at Ephesians. It's there in your note. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We fight a real enemy. It's not the person sitting next to you. We have a real enemy And it's time we realize that Jesus Christ gives us authority over that enemy. I talked about it in week one. I talked to you about you've got to know the Word of God. You've got to know what promises are in here. You've got to do more than just know it, though. You've got to receive them, and then you've got to walk in them. It's one thing to proclaim or to just know that the Word of God says, I have healing. It's another thing to proclaim it, isn't it, Jason? It's another thing to say, the doctors say, my dad has 5% chance to live. That's all my God needs. My God don't need any percent. They can say 0%, but my God can say, you are healed. That's what you got to know. And you can't just know that the Word says, hey, there's healing available. you got to walk in it. you got to declare that healing. You need to know that God has given you authority over Satan and all of the demons of hell. The cup of deliverance is only going to happen though if you become real with yourself. Listen to what Paul says, it's in your notes. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So many people walk around with a mask on their face. This says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You need to understand, we all got issues. We all have a past that we're dealing with. It may look different than yours, but it's no better, no worse. We all have stuff from our past that is sin, and we got to deal with it. We all have hurts from our past, and we got to deal with it. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. we got to be willing to take off the mask. we got to say, you know what, I don't care what people think. I'm dealing with this. I'm done with it. I'm not going to live with this anymore. I'm ready to walk in the freedom that God has for me. It's never going to happen if you continue to wear that mask. It's never going to happen if you continue to fight with your wife right out in the parking lot as you get here and walk in the door and say, praise God, hallelujah, how are you? Everything is great. You understand we all have issues. We all have problems. Stop trying to pretend to be something that you're not. The fact is this, you got to get real. you got to get real with yourself. If you ever want to deal with the hurts from the past, you've got to get real. Paul said, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's time for us to take the mask off and stop pretending to be something that we're not. Look at verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So what's the key? What's the key to dealing with your hurts and your habits from the past? How do you deal with understanding that you have authority over the enemy well you you get in the Word of God for one but you surround yourself with other believers you begin leaning on them God said for us in his word to share one another's burdens we need to get to a place where we we really understand that where we understand that we are here one for another The body of believers is here for a reason. Over and over again, it's talked about in the Word of God. He calls us a flock. He talks about fellowship. He talks about a body of believers. Over and over again, he talks about how he has put us together. That we aren't intended, he didn't intend for us to go through this on our own. He didn't intend for us to to bear all of the burden by ourselves. He intended for us to understand that He has put us around other believers. It's, for, it's up to us to engage, though. Listen to what Proverbs says. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces finds mercy. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. How do you get healed? Confession. Confession. We're like, yeah, but that's, that's confession to God. No. No, it's not. God forgives you. God forgives you. But the healing happens in relationship. James tells us, Confess your sin one to another and He will heal you. You see, healing happens when we put ourselves in a group of other believers, when we begin to confide in others, when we allow the mask to come down, because it's at that point that we begin getting real with people. No facade, no fake. Here it is. This is who I am. We all need people in our lives that we can confide in, that can be accountability partners to you. I've got people in my life other fellow ministers that I, that I call on that we'll share one another, with one another about things that we may be struggling with and we'll pray for one another. You need to have people like that in your life. If, if, if this is the only church you have Sunday morning, coming in, sitting down, listening to a message, you need to understand that's not what God intended. We, we tend to think of church as simply Sunday morning, the message that I get, that's my church. It's got to be more than that. The apostles met together daily. They fellowshiped together. The early church gave us a model of exactly what the church was to look like. And it wasn't simply a Sunday morning message. We come in on Sunday morning to equip so that we can go out and do the work. Every day we must. We must be in fellowship with other believers. It's what empowers us. It's what encourages us. It's what helps us make it through the day. It's what helps to bring us to a place of deliverance. You need to understand. The cup of deliverance is about helping you get to the freedom that God has intended for you to live. I want to give you three things that are going to help you. You see relationships is all about what? Associations, right? So I'm going to give you three things that you can do to let the world know who you associate with. The first one is this. If you've never been water baptized, I want to encourage you to do that. There's some cards out at the info booth that that are just uh, water baptism cards letting us know that you're interested in being water baptized. I want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized before, to to take that step you see it's not a point of hey i'm water baptized so now i'm saved no i'm saved so i'm going to let the world know it this is who i associate with i associate with the one the true god i associate with jesus christ i went down in the grave with him and i'm coming up out of the grave with him that's what water baptism is all about it's about saying i'm not who i used to be it's putting the world on notice saying yeah that person I used to be that did all those things, that's not who I am anymore. This is who I am today. I am a believer of Jesus Christ, and I want everybody to know it. Amen. The second thing is this. I want to encourage you to belong to a church, to, to take membership with the church. Become a church member. I don't really care if it's here or not. If you're here visiting with us today because you're out of town or whatever, and you don't belong to a church, when you get back home... You find a church and you get plugged in. There are plenty of churches here in Nashville that I would feel comfortable going to. If I wasn't pastoring here, I got a list of them that I'd say, I'd go there. Find, if this ain't where you want to belong, find a place where you can belong. Come on. Find a place where you can say, That's my home. That's my church home. And I'm going to live life with these people because I'm going to be there for them and they're going to be there for me. And we're going to lift each other up because that's what it's about. It's not about so we can get a number on a roll. It's about so you can belong somewhere and so that you can be accountable to somewhere too. It's for you. And it's for us. It's for all of us. It's about saying we're going to live this life together. The third thing is this. I want to encourage you. To either lead or be a part of a small group when they come out in September. This next month we'll start Growth Track again. It'll happen right after church on Sunday mornings. We'll provide lunch. Uh, if you've not been through Growth Track yet, I want to encourage you to do that. If you haven't been through the small group leadership training yet, I want to encourage you to do that. It'll be just a one-hour class. What do you have to do to be able to be a small group leader? You need to have went through small group leader training which is one hour. Most of you, a lot of you have done that. And the other thing is this, you need to have gone through growth track or at least be in the process of that. You don't have to be 40 years saved, three seminary degrees and who knows what else. You need to love Jesus and love your brothers and sisters in Christ and be willing to just be there for them. That's it. You need to commit to six weeks. Six different weeks where you would say, I will lead a group once a week during this 12-week period. It's not hard. Like I said, it's all about just living life together. You understand? Please please hear me on this. This second cup, I can't say it enough, is about living life together. That's where you're going to find real deliverance is when you begin letting that mask down, saying, this is who I am. Will you pray with me? Pray for someone. Let them pray for you. And you'll begin to see healing happening. You'll begin to see your life change. You'll begin to see freedom. You'll begin to see things differently. You'll begin to see the plans that God has for you. You can't get there without first coming here. Amen.